Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, all right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, well, we're going to talk about what the founder, founding fathers really thought about freedom. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, have different ideas, different opinions. We hear a lot of things. I know that people suggest that the schools may be trying to rewrite history a little bit, change things out. Um, what's weird is it seems like you can pick and choose which parts of history you want to show. So even if Kevin and I are doing that today, I would like to point out, maybe this will give you kind of the other side. Hopefully we can fill in some of the gaps. And if you find things contrary to what you've been taught, then you might want to go do some research and find out who's right. Um, Then you can put notes in the comments or tell us how we're stupid or tell us how, hey, you know, you turn that around for me, and now I really understand how the world works. We'd go with that. Um, so with that, Kevin, we're going to talk about freedom. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I want to start with a quote by uh, Jefferson, what his description of freedom was. Um, rightful liberty is unobstructed, um, unobstructed action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. I do not add within the limits of the law, because law is often but the tyrant's will, and always so, 
when it violates the rights of the individual. So I think uh, one of the things that we should start out with talking about um, is democracy versus uh, republicanism. And it's true that a republic is a form of a democracy or, you know, it's a type of democracy, not, you know, there are different kinds of democracy. Um, but a pure democracy is uh, the rights of the majority is uh, paramount over the rights of the individual. In a republic, it's not exactly not exactly that way. You know, it, it, a That's good right. republic should protect the rights of the individual. Uh, right. The largest minority in in the country whose civil rights we need to pay attention to is the individual, you know, the individual person, yeah. not specifically a type of people, not like all white people or all Christian people, but the individual, um, the individual that might get sidelined by these bigger groups. Right. I think I heard it best described as, I mean, they say a representative republic and you can go into all the different terms and whatever. Well, that's not really, you know, whatever. Um, what's the one quote where, <clears throat> you know, uh, where they asked uh, Jefferson and he's like, it's a, a, a republic if you can keep it or something along that line. Anyway, what type of government we have, right? But anyway, a representative republic, the idea would be, a representative republic is basically a democracy limited by the confines of the Constitution. So there's a framework and an outline that can't be deviated from, which is the Constitution. And then it's kind of a democracy beyond that, if that makes sense. So there's a framework and an outline of basic things that kind of are overruled. But like Kevin said, it's a government's job, a good government, to protect the individual, to protect the people. And, I mean, that's who it's serving. Because mob rule, guess what? You know, it, it always kind of comes down to if Kevin has pie and there's 10 of us and Kevin doesn't want to share pie, then we're all going to vote that Kevin doesn't get any pie and the rest of us are eating good. You know, I mean, that's just the way the world works. And you end up with kind of ridiculousness when you go down that road. Um, so one of the things that kind of really caught me with our original founding when I was doing the research, and I had come across this years back, actually, and, and you know, kind of that found it a little bit fascinating. But originally in 1744, when the colonists were kind of dealing with the Indians a lot, there was a uh, Iroquois chief, Conestego, if you can get that one right. Conestego is what I'm going with. I don't know if I'm right. And basically what he talked about was, I think at the time there were five Indian tribes and they end up making it, uh, you know, it ended up becoming um, uh, six. But at the time, it was five Indian tribes, and they worked as completely individual tribes, but then on the flip side would work together towards common defense and a couple of things. And originally, at that point, when they discussed separating from England early on, you know, in, in very primitive discussions, 
the idea was always going to be that they would make 13 separate countries. And that's usually how things would have worked. It was it was kind of a new idea for everybody to come together and still be independent. Now, obviously, that idea didn't hold as well as I would have imagined or thought that it would, because it really was set up to be very loosely governed by the central government and very separate individual rights of the states. And obviously, we kind of formed into one very united, very, you know, all lockstep kind of thing. And I think that's kind of changed over the years, but it's been that way for a long time, I feel like. Um, so anyway, so the idea was the Indians would work together for common defense. A couple of big things. Um, the quotes that I, I had from them were uh, uh, actually... So Ben Franklin got together with them and they discussed a lot of it. And Ben Franklin wrote the uh, Albany plan and the Albany plan actually ends up developing into the Federalist Papers. And there were other, you know, the Federalist Papers got expanded and, and, you know, a lot of guys had a hand in writing the different things. But the idea was they would have... Uh, let me see. Um, an assembly of lawmakers elected from each of the colonies with seats allocated among the colonies according to the population. And he insisted on including provisions, well, that would protect the Indians, which was kind of neat that, you know, he had the little throwback, um, providing and mapping Indian boundaries, separating all that. But uh, so, sorry, I know I'm falling apart here. Uh, shall enjoy and retain as much as it may think fit as its own presence. All right. So each state would keep as much of their laws, rights, and privileges as they wanted to, and they could adapt as much of the federal philosophy as they wanted. Each state retains sovereignty, freedom, and independence, and every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation expressly delegated to the United States. So that's basically the 10th amendment right there. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, but that was originally the plan of you being free and independent. And I think that we've gotten very far away from that. And that was the States being free and independent of the federal government. Um, Kevin, uh, you had some, some take on that. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, step back a little bit and talk about um, talk about what 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 people were really upset about with the with the British government. Obviously, um, you know, if you read the Declaration of Independence, they they gave a whole big list of all the stuff they're pissed off about, and that's that's great. You know, the, all those things are important. Uh, one of the things that they don't mention very, uh, they don't go into depth about is uh, the Great Bengal Famine of 1770. Uh, a lot of people don't know about this. This was uh, in India. Now, uh, most of you guys have heard of the East India Trading Company. It was an extremely wealthy corporation that um, was, uh, uh, was endorsed by the British government. And basically what they did is they got so wealthy that they just started buying up all of India. Um, they started out as just uh, trading posts to collect tea, but then they 
moved into buying up all the uh, uh, the land where the tea was grown and uh, basically owned a large por por portion of uh, southern India. So there were a famine started in the end of uh, 1769 and uh, about 7 million people starved to death. They, the British gum, uh, government and the East India Trading Company didn't have anything to do with, uh, they had no interest in keeping those people from starving to death. It didn't help out financially for them. Um, so they just let all those people starve. So it was about uh, 7 to 10 million people died, died there. Uh, just because they, you know, wouldn't help their bottom line. They actually ended up losing uh, 174,000 pounds just uh, just from the loss of workers. So they had no interest in, in saving those people. Um, and then uh, they moved right on to the uh, colonies by raising taxes there and, and uh, bringing in tea from India and charging a tax on it. And that Everybody just like, you know, did you just see what happened in India? All those people starved to death and nobody did shit about it? Yeah. So uh, it was one of those things where it's like, um, you know, why would they treat us different? You know, why why are they going to keep us from uh, from having a right for representation? Um, and, you know, and we're going to expect that they're not going to treat us the exact same way they treated the Indian people. So. Uh, you know, that's basically what started the uh, the Boston Tea Party. Um, now, interesting thing about the Boston Tea Party was the Sons of Liberty. You know, they dressed up as Native Americans, went out there and, and threw all the tea, uh, raided the ships and threw all the tea into the harbor. Uh, they didn't actually kill anybody or beat up anybody or cause any damage except for one hmm. padlock that they broke. Oh. which the next day they, they replaced it. They brought a padlock to give it back to the guy for smashing their padlock. <laughs> nice. All the tea, yeah, all the tea that was on your ship is thrown in the ocean, but that padlock, they felt bad about that. You know, hey, um, good lock, that's probably, you know. Yeah, it's important stuff, man. But, um, you know, they were they were farmers, you know, they were merchants. They didn't really understand that the taxes had already been paid. It wasn't a, a thing about uh, specifically about not paying the taxes. It was more about showing what they thought and what they felt and what they're, how they were going to be bullied or be bullied. You can right. people push you around to a certain point and they're just going to keep going further if, uh, if you don't ever stop them. And that was one of the things that really kicked things off in the beginning was, was uh, saying that that's it. That's it. We're not, you know, we're not going for this shit. And they drew a line in the sand and, you know, you could say the Sons of Liberty were, um, you know, were a violent gang, but they weren't necessarily all that violent. They were a little bit extreme for the day, but not really violent people. They were uh, protesters. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of like, like I, I always go through it at work. People are like, wow, you know, you said those mean, hurtful things to your boss and you're kind of a jerk and whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's you feel like you have to push back. You know what I'm saying? Like if you just keep letting them get away with it, you you get into trouble. So what I, what I mean by this is my, my immediate boss is like pretty passive guy. And wherever he gets any kind of resistance, he just kind of backs down. So 
his managers are like, hey, you know, your guys are all idiots and they need to work twice as hard for half the pay. And if we don't say anything and give him, I have to make it more uncomfortable than his bosses make it for him. Right. You see what I'm saying there? And yeah. that's that's kind of what they were doing is, hey, if we don't give any pushback, we're not going to have any uh, They're just gonna any keep kind of standing. They're yeah. going to keep taking. And and that's the thing, you know, as long as you keep those checks coming in from, you know, our colonies mm-hmm. and, you know, the British had a way of doing that. It, it's been a pattern, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't happen all at once. It was, hey, how can the colonies benefit us? Not how can we benefit the colonies? Right. Now, I am sure you can make an argument. Well, they were sharing Jesus and, you know, there was some of that going on right. and. And, you know, I mean, I even, uh, Dinesh D'Souza wrote that book, uh, What's So Great About America? And he talked about India, you know, later on and how the British, when they colonized it, it actually kind of civilized and and made India more productive of a country. Um, I'm not sure that makes it a better country, but it was more, you know, productive Mm -hmm. and a lot of people in the new world embrace the new world, whereas people didn't like the change. So I'm not saying that all the colonization was just horrible for everybody or, you know, any of that. I'm just saying that there's, you know, a little give and take. There is two sides to the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, it's funny when we were looking up the, the quotes for this, I kind of thought Thomas Jefferson was going to be my go-to. And like, I was like, Oh, you know, everywhere, everything I, I look up and, and I have a book of uh, like, I think it's called Quotable Jefferson. And I'm reading all his quotes and I swear they just wrote down everything he ever said. They were like, oh, well, he wrote this paper. So I took this paragraph and this paragraph and put them all in there. I'm like, yeah, that's not really how that works. But anyway, uh, Thomas Paine is filled with awesomeness. It's all I can tell you when it right. comes to the revolution. And I think the reason Thomas Paine had so many inspirational quotes that kind of rest well with the heart of the Patriot, right. You know, like we're all like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Hey, I don't know. He just, he just had all the quotes that were great. I think the idea is one, he's a passionate preacher, right. Trying to inspire people. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. His job, his role in the revolution was to write documents that got people fired up. Right. I mean, and, and so that's it. So he, yeah. you know, he was right there looking for it. Yeah. And I, you know, I was kind of going through him and I was like, man, you know, he has like all the greatest quotes. And one of them that, you know, kind of hit home was uh, when all the rights are taken away, the right of rebellion is made perfect. And you know how true is that? Like in in modern day now, I just feel like more and more you're like, I have no rights. You know, it kind of goes to that, that basically where they outlaw everything so then they can kind of manipulate you and push you. You know, we have that whole pistol brace thing going on right now where they're like, oh, it was legal yesterday, but you're a felon today. And that's kind of the thing. Just a little bit. Just you know, a little inch. Just That's all they're asking, Chuck. It's just an inch. And if you don't stand up and push back, 
you end up exactly, you know, where the founding fathers were, where they feel like they're pushed in a quarter. And if I just don't say anything, well, then tomorrow they're going to be like, well, we just changed the definition and took away the pistol brace without a law. How about we just outlaw semi-auto handguns? Because we'll just change the definition and make it an NFA item or do whatever, you know, it is they do. And that's, that's kind of the thing. If you don't have that resistance, and that's one of the things that kind of turns me, you know, back to the the second amendment, right? Because you're like, you know, they, they just keep taking and it always, uh, yeah, there was a quote from uh, James Madison. He said, the greatest danger to Liberty is from large armies and they prevent the necessity with a we can prevent the necessity for a large army by having a large state militia and having a militia made up of the people. Right. And that's the thing. The idea was supposed to be that there's no real controlling federal government. I mean, that's when you read what Madison had written in his bigger documents was the idea would be, we're all part of the whole, we make up the whole the whole is not separate from the states. Right. And that's what it's become. I mean, it definitely, we have a federal government that is not in any way connected to the states. I, I know, you know, you could tell me, well, well, no, Chuck, it, there's a bunch of representatives. We elect them. We send them to government. But I'm talking about the giant body, the the EPA, the, the um, Homeland Security, the FBI, the CIA. It's not made up of the states. It's made up of a big overreaching power, right? And to be honest, you know, our represent representatives, once they go to Washington, they seem to kind of get sucked into the hole and, you know, it's, they become part of that Washington culture and, you know, maybe they hold on a little longer if your guy's really good and he kind of, you know, it kind of goes back to that Davy Crockett thing, you know, where he comes home, that story of when he worked, he was in Congress right? and he came home and he's walking through the streets and he's like, hey, you know, what do you think of uh, Davy Crockett? You're going to vote for him? You know, asking about himself to, to a local guy. And the guy's like, well, you know, I'm thinking about running for political office. And he's like, wait, why? And he's like, well, because I want to represent the individual and not Washington. I want a limited federal government. And Crockett's like, well, what do you mean? That's what I've been working towards. And I think the longer you're in that environment, the more you get sucked in into the the crappy world. And you just, you can't Mm -hmm. see outside it. And that was the big thing. And, And, you know, Madison was a big part of that he's like look you need to have you know a federal government that's made up of the whole and not you know its own entity just saying that's something you might want to look into i know you got something there kevin i see it in your eye uh well i wanted to wanted to run down uh one more jefferson quote here all right uh this is what he originally wrote for the declaration of independence um We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, that all men are created equal and independent, that from equal creation, they derive rights inherent and inalienable, among which are the preservation of life and liberty 
and the pursuit of happiness. I think, uh, you know, it was rewritten by, by Ben Franklin and a couple of the other guys. Um, so what we, we see is like a normal now or what we, what we're used to now. Um, but I think, uh, that statement is, is, uh, it's pretty powerful when you think about the, the idea that God, God gave you these rights. You know what I mean? It's man that's taking them away from you. Right. And it's, uh, it's not something that you, that can get, be given away without your consent. You know what I mean? You can use your, yeah, Frank, yeah, Franklin touched it up. Yeah, but you can use your, um, you know, you can, you can abide by the law and that's, that's, you know, appropriate, uh, an appropriate thing to do. But at a certain point, those laws, um, those laws become an infringement on your rights. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do anymore without the permission of the government. You know, you have to pay a tax, you have to pay, uh, uh, you have to get a permit, you have to have a license for that. You can't do it without, you know, without getting permission from somebody, you know, it, uh, you know, and that's really what it is when you ha- when they charge a fee to do anything that's intended to prohibit you from doing that thing. Right. You know, at a certain point, the cost of those things um, prevent most people from doing them. And it really uh, funnels the power of the people into the hands of a few well, instead of everyone. Exactly. It, that's why, you know, we tax cigarettes, right? To discourage mm-hmm. people from smoking. Isn't that tax what they told alcohol. us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tax alcohol because those are bad habits. So we'll right. tax you to discourage it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they always try and paint it. Oh, well, we'll tax healthcare, or, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah, everything's everything's taxed. I think uh, a lot of um, a lot of people don't really get the idea of those those fees. You know what I mean? They they think, well, you know, it's just the cost of doing business. Well, it shouldn't shouldn't be the fucking cost of anything. You know what I mean? It's your right to do those things, and you know. But you don't have that right, not unless you pay them their money, you know, and that's that's, I think, um, where we've been drifting for a long time. Everything has got a fee or a tax or a license or a permit that you need before you can do you do anything. Um, You know, you have to get a permit to scratch your own ass. In New York State, you can't do a goddamn thing up here. Um, You know, I think it's about time for me to move to Texas, but what are you going to do? Well, yeah, that that state you live in is a little rough. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Now, it's funny because, like, let, let's just kind of touch on the roles. Um, in the original founding, right? So you had we had they came up with the Constitution. They they decided now that was pretty much written out by James Madison. Is that right? Matt Madison was kind of the guy who. They, they went to him, John Adams and John Sam Adams, who else? Uh, a couple other guys went to Madison and asked him, like hey, uh, George Washington, um, and, and were like, hey, you could, uh, you know, it would be great if you penned it. Uh, one of the things a lot of the guys came back after it was done was like, hey, you know, we need a Bill of Rights. We need right. something that just outlines, hey, these are rights of the individual. And Madison was like, hey, you know, you need to, they're already covered. It's obvious. You know, he was one of those, one of the, it's obvious. 
that the rights of man should be protected and whatever. But having it spelled out, I feel like was such a huge advantage for the people. Um, it made such a difference. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything better than, you know, having that outline. Um, so where it originally came from, uh, George Mason was uh, from Virginia and he had written the Virginia, uh, let me think of what it was called, the Virginia Declaration of Rights. And basically Madison took that and kind of worked off of that um, and, and separated it. And that's really, you know, those rights defined and shaped our country. I, and, you know, obviously the debate, you know, I mentioned, you know, that whole stuff I read earlier when I was a little confused and lost about, uh, you know, reading about, um, yeah, now it eludes me again, the, the Albany plan, sorry, with Ben Franklin, but the idea that the federal government should be very limited and does not have all the power. Um, it, it's funny because in my earlier thinking and understanding of government and how government works, I always used to think that, you know, the, the Bill of Rights and, and all that would limit the federal government, but had no right to the states. But, you know, the way it's worded, the 10th Amendment, is any power not given to the federal government inside you know, the Constitution is given to the states. Well, the Bill of Rights is in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So that Bill of Rights should limit the states. So the states should not be able to limit your free speech. The states mm -hmm. should not be able to limit your guns. The state should not, because these are rights of man that we decided as a whole needed to be protected by the federal government. And to be clear, a lot... Right off the bat, those those that Bill of Rights was not very important to a lot of people for a long time because those were things that we all just agreed upon. Obviously, you have a right to free speech. Obviously, you have a right to to whatever religion you want to practice. Obviously, you have a, a right to an, a you know to a representation. Um, obviously, you have a right to to do these things. Uh, right. There's not a uh, there are almost no court cases um, that that reference the Bill of Rights before the 1880s. Almost a hundred years it went before anybody even said, "Hey, wait a minute, this is infringing on my rights. The rights right. given to me by God, the rights enshrined in the Constitution." Um, a lot of people didn't, you know. I mean, it was it was just standard. Obviously, right. you could do these things. It wasn't until, you know, 100 years later of the federal government growing and growing uh, before they really started to really started to try and strip these rights away. And, you know, they're still working on it now. And luckily, we have it in the Constitution because, you know, they're left and right. They're they're inhibiting your free speech. They're trying to at any rate. That right? sounds right. So, um, you know, maybe it's not as widely believed today that we uh that we have, have rights ha any have rights at all rights. right yeah but it's a good thing we have it in you know and if you look at a lot of places even even canada which is a you know a pretty free country they you know they can say they can dictate not just what you can't say but right. things that you have to say right you know 
you have to refer to people by their pronouns because it's the law. You know what I mean? It's that's yeah. the law. You have to do that. And it's it's one thing to say you can't, you know, scream fire in a crowded theater. It's another you know thing that, altogether to say that you have to say these things. Right. But did you know that that was overturned? It turns out that that's not a law that you can uh, yeah. scream fire in it. Yeah. So that was actually a court case. And the, the judge brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I believe it was in the 30s. But it turns mm-hmm. out that was overturned. And they were oh, like, really? no, that's not true. So we can say any yeah. crazy shit. That so we you want. could say any crazy shit. Don't let them don't let them bully you, Kevin. All they right. can't put a uh, boot on your throat, all right? All right. I'm not going for that shit. Uh, now, just a uh, side side note here, while we're talking about the Constitution, um, the preamble of the Constitution was written by Governor Morris. Now, Governor was not his title. That was actually his first name, Governor Morris. Uh, he wrote the preamble of the Constitution, and he's also the guy that wrote the entire Constitution, you know, with a quill, with a with a pen. He's the one that actually wrote it out on paper. Okay. Um, so, you know, interesting fact though, he actually died by sticking a whalebone up his penis. Sometimes you have to jam things up. You've done that. Right. Exactly. So apparently he had an STD and so he hollowed out a whalebone and jammed it up his penis so he could actually, so he could pee. So he could because it was so swollen it was swollen shut <laughs> but <laughs> obviously you can't just go jamming things in there because it also no. it gave him another infection and it ended up killing him so it's <sighs> an ugly world we live in just uh there's a lot of a lot of little side notes of american history that i think you know your your history teacher doesn't necessarily uh that doesn't come up in, in second high. grade uh or fourth no. grade uh history okay no. you know the ugly side of history. That sounds right. Now, a lot of people, um, yeah, a, a lot of comments, uh, you know, coming through about that, that balloon over China. Yeah. Have you seen that? Or, or did you have any more quotes or any, uh, anything? You no, need to I get think in we can get first? into this balloon. All right. So as far as I know, I haven't looked it up this morning. That balloon is still flying. Um, I believe it is uh, over the great state of North Carolina at the moment, is what I heard. I heard really? it's gonna gonna That's roll through there this morning. Montana yesterday morning. That that sounds right. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. And when I look it up now, obviously the first I heard of it, first I heard of it was really yesterday. I guess the day before in the evening was maybe when, mm-hmm, when you they know, kind of they first. Well, when they first talked about it, but when I watch news stories, they're like, oh, they've been monitoring it for several days. Right. And so I don't really know what's going on there. Now, clearly this thing is not a weather balloon. All right. And that, that was China's, you know, original uh, take on that was right, like, oh, right. yeah, the that's a weather balloon. company in and- China that sent that thing over there for research. Yeah. So I got to say, first off we're ridiculous, right? How have we not dealt with this? Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody showed a clip on uh, like TikTok or something was like, uh, you know, uh, Batman going through with the balloons. Remember he had that plane uh-huh. and he's scooping them up <laughs> and grabbing the cables. And they yeah. were like, see, we could have done something, Batman you know, Batman it. did it. And, and that was the thing when, when you watch that Pentagon brief about it, they talked about, um, the uh 
we it had a big payload and we didn't know what it was. Right. And I, I don't really understand that, but because how do we not know things, you know? And he was like, well, if we just drop it, we don't know it. There could be chemical. He said all kinds of crazy stuff. Like it could yeah. be anything. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is it's, it's several hundred pounds worth of steel. And if you drop that over Montana, it'll just get all smashed up and they won't be able to figure out what it is. And that, they say they be- don't want to drop it and it will land on people. But the truth is there aren't that, that many people out there. They could drop it. And right. you got a, you got a 99.99% chance that it ain't going to hit anything. Right. Maybe, maybe well, a cap, the thing is, but that's you about can it. plan it, right? You plan right. when you're going to drop it. That's the mm-hmm. whole idea, right? So it's going over, uh, you know, a, a populated areas maybe now, but it mm-hmm. wasn't going over populated areas before. Right. You know, and you, and the truth is that the Chinese government can uh, direct where which way it's going. It, it's not just like floating on the ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can be moved. So I don't know why China just hasn't offered to move it off the coast and no. then let us shoot it down. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a research balloon, right? Shouldn't it? Right. Shouldn't matter. Why? Why right. are they concerned about it? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think they want us to see what's what's hanging from that balloon. I. I think, yeah, well, I think that, but if we had rolled a big surveillance balloon over China, how would that have gone? Would that still be flying today? Do you really believe in your heart that right now that balloon would still be flying if it was over China and it had an American flag on the side? Yeah. I'm going to have to go with probably not. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think that whatever the hell pictures you can take from a surveillance balloon you probably could have taken those pictures from a satellite. Yeah, I kind of do believe that. Mm-hmm. And do they spy on shit all the time? Do they not send people wherever? You know, who knows? But I, I wonder if it flew over that big complex in Utah. Yeah, I, I know they're saying it'll probably go over Fort Bragg if it comes down now, so I don't know. And and mysteriously, you know it's going to, like, turn and go up over D.C. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, the winds, you know, the wind got it. Who knows? But so anyway, I, I digress. So they have this whole thing. They're wash, watching it. We're all worried, whatever. I mean, I don't think we're really worried. But my thought is it's trying to testing us. Like, hey, what are they going to do? Hey, how much of cowards are they? You know, that that's really the idea is, is how weak is America how much are, can we push them, keep putting the screws to them, and they're going to just keep going along with it? Right. You know, right. I mean, that's the that's the bottom line. Well, who is it? Who's supposed to go on a, on a meeting over to China and then canceled his visit? Like that was our. Yeah. We our big back at you, we're not going to come over and say hi. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that this is, a, you know, a lot of people are speculating that China is doing did this because. They're trying to get rep- retribution for certain things, certain slights that they claim America has, has done to them. But, uh, you know, really, this just makes the Chinese government look pretty foolish and and incompetent. You know what I mean? Does it or does it just make us look like, yeah, they are the well, not, us we not doing anything were. about it yeah. seems pretty, pretty stupid. You know, I, I that's that's how I kind of roll on. That. I don't understand how it's still floating around up there and nobody's done a damn thing about it. You know, uh, we're weak. We're weak. Yeah. Um, I say shoot it down over DC and whatever it falls on, you know, 
that was God's choice. If it, you know, drops on, on a Senator's head, I'm not going to cry about it. Kevin, that's wrong. That's mean and hurtful. All right. What are you going to do? All right. It's an ugly world we live in. Well, so, hey, I'm listen. not advocating the assassination of senators, just to be clear. I'm not advocating. Thank I'm just you. saying I'm not, I wouldn't feel bad video. if any of them died. There is video of this. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think as Americans we're obligated to feel bad. Like, how mm-hmm. much does the average American really care about anything? I mean, I you know, Unless I'll, it's avocado I only toast. have like a certain level of care. You know, <laughs> speaking of avocado toast, I'm watching a TV show the other day. And they're like, oh, you know, well, all the avocados are controlled by the cartels. And I'm like, that can't be right. Turns mm-hmm. out the cartels control all the limes and avocados. Did you know this? Yeah. You yeah. knew about this? Yeah, I knew about this because, uh, you know what I mean? You can get a certain percentage of, of Americans that are going to get into the, you know, get into the cocaine and the, and the heroin, you know, but you can't control all the people with that. You have to get into the avocados and get those uh, health nuts on there too. You know what I mean? Now they can control everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, really, I mean, how are you going to have what Cinco de Mayo and all those things without avocados and limes? I mean, right. really, I mean, you are can't you drink even an American without limes? Are you even an American if you don't have nachos and, and Corona and, right. you know, I mean, what's more American than that, right? I know you might be thinking that that (laughs) might be, uh, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so as far as this balloon goes, man, I, I'm not really concerned about it. Like you said, they have satellites and they have stuff. I, I would really be interested in seeing what's hanging from that balloon. Yes. Uh, what kind of things that they're, they're using that you couldn't use with a, with a, uh, satellite, but I don't understand either how they would assume we wouldn't notice this giant balloon floating over. That you can see with the naked eye. Right. Like you can just look up and by. see it. Right. Yeah. They asked him where it was. And uh, the general said, the general at the press briefing said, uh, uh, we're not going to say where it is. People can look up in the sky and see it. Nice. Well, all right. Well, that's fair enough. But also like. Why don't you tell you tell me I should go outside and look or not? You know, right. floating over my house. I don't know. You tell me when comets and stars are visible over my house. Yeah, yeah I mean it. Come on, guys, really. Get your get your act together, dude. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I say I say we start start sending up all sorts of balloons, man. Yeah. You know. Send drop, them out. Uh, yeah, we could drop um. You know, we send balloons over uh, over China and drop off some uh, some papers about uh, Tiananmen Square. Or, you know, give them some of that information that they're not allowed. A to A bunch know of about. pictures of Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, yeah, leaflet that motherfucker. You know, drop it out there. And honestly, Chuck, what you just said is is racist, and you probably just got us banned from uh, our podcast being downloaded in China. Wait, we usually actually, I think the more we mention Winnie the Pooh. Our episode goes up in China, like yeah. five, yeah, five or six downloads every time. You know, okay. they're like, oh, oh, no, oh, Winnie the Pooh, got yeah. them. Well, they yeah. do, for some reason, they do download a lot of these podcasts in Beijing at the exact same time, which that, is a little that off. That is correct. Well, I know. know that if, you know, if 
they have ever listened to this podcast and I ever go to China, I will immediately be arrested. Do you know it's illegal to talk about Winnie the Pooh, even if you're not in China or a Chinese citizen? It's against the law, which means that if I go to China, I can be legally convicted and sentenced according to their laws. I don't think Winnie the Pooh is what pushed you over the edge in China. Dude, they were already going to get you, all right? It's, yeah, I know my kids are like, oh, I want to go to China, go see it. I'm like, nah, you can't anymore. I ruined that for you. Yeah, the whole family's, you. yeah. Yep. Now the family's to going to, to prison sure. after that. Yeah. Um, that's all right. So anyway, we appreciate you guys watching and, and you know, listening to the podcast. And it'd be awesome if you leave reviews, comments, all that stuff really helps us out. Um, also, if you're watching it on YouTube, don't forget to like, and subscribe. Um, that really, you know, helps grow the channel and, and take care of it for us. Um, you know, we love doing it, but you know, the more we can kind of grow it and reach everybody kind of makes it feel a little bit more worthwhile, I guess. Um, so, you know, Hey, you know, we try not to push or ask for stuff. Um, just, you know, Anything you do to help it out, keep growing the brand, give it a share, give it a like. That's awesome. We appreciate it. And, uh, hey, you know, the other thing, uh, we're looking at putting together a, uh, a uh, like, virtual summit. And if you know other podcast guys like Mayhem Country Living or, you know, other things, obviously I'm going to reach out to Darren over there. Um, if you uh, know other guys that would be a good fit for some kind of, like, prepper summit, um, we're going to put together a bunch of courses that on homesteading and prepping and ways you can step up your game and put it together on like a weekend where it's like 10 different guys. Appreciate it. B8. Um, a bunch of guys we can, uh, you know, reach out to and, and put together where everybody does stuff. Or if you have a podcast and you want to, you know, mention to us, you'd like to be a part of it can email me at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Be happy to, you know, reach out, see what we can work out. Um, I believe there will be some kind of compensation for it and we can work out something cool. Otherwise, uh, you can um, shoot us a uh, email again. Just talk about whatever. Tell us your show ideas, things you'd want to hear, things you'd like to, you know, know more about. We'd be happy to look it up give you the badass take on things. We're, we're good at that. We have definitely have unique opinions, maybe compared to the rest of the world. Maybe we're a little off. I don't know. You know, Hey, whatever to each their own. Otherwise you can uh, join the email list at preppingbadass.com. You can get some badass gear with that. I would say, uh, stay safe and we will talk to you guys next week. The survival and basic badass podcast is a proud member of the self-defense radio network.
you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.